0: Tonight I would like to speak to you about the subject of repentance. Repentance. In Luke chapter 13, if you will turn there with me. We were uh, back here in the study. Brother Jack was talking about something he saw on the news uh, channel on the television, and they were talking about... these people and I don't know where it was, what country it was, but they had a, a religious ceremony whereby they would go down to the sea. They would go down to the sea, and they would see a seagull. Is that what they said? They were going down to the sea, and their sins were going to be washed away. And this, in this religious ceremony, their sins were going to be washed away. And uh, God sent a tidal wave and destroyed them all. And uh, all throughout the scriptures God sends warnings, vials and cups of wrath. But these are warnings and vials and cups of wrath. But apart from the grace of God man cannot and will not repent. Man cannot (coughs) Will not repent, but here's what here's what the thought is of the people, even today, and especially in uh, in religious circles, that somehow another that there are more sinners than other people. Brother Jack said he, he said that he said we're all just as wicked as they are, didn't you say that brother? But here's the thought of religious people. Somehow or another that's a judgment of God and that because they're more wicked. But you know what the Lord Jesus Christ says? He says, Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Now what is this repentance about? What is it talking about? What is the Lord talking about? You look here in, in Luke chapter 13. He says there were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices and uh, what happened there was there was this man uh, of the Galileans Judas and uh, he was telling the Jews that it was not lawful for them to pay taxes to the Roman Empire well Pil- you can imagine how that upset Pilate so he sent a band of soldiers down there and while they were offering the sacrifice of the Passover these soldiers came and shed their blood along with the blood of the animals that were shed and it ran together well what these people were telling the Lord is it was a great scandal it was a great scandal and you could tell by what the way the Lord answers that this is what they were thinking and Jesus answered and said to them suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans that's why this happened to him that's why this judgment came upon them because they were greater sinners Because they suffered such things? I tell you nay. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those 18 upon whom the tower of Siloam fell. This is the tower outside of the city of Jerusalem. And they also had a a religious ceremony that was observed there. You know, the Lord, when he healed that man that was blind and he put mud in his eyes, he told him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he, he saw but here's what they were thinking. They were thinking that this tower fell on these people while they were in this religious ceremony. And because they were greater sinners. And this is what the Lord's saying. Think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? That's why God singled them out like this. I tell you nay. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Well, like I said, this is a message about repentance. Repentance. And like I said, first I want to bring our thoughts into five five, uh, headings. First I want to think about or call our attention to what men think or what are the thoughts of men concerning repentance. Now there is a common misconception. There was then and there is now. And like I said, especially among religious people and religious circles, And that is that uh, these things we call calamities or bad things come in the lives of people because of some peculiar sin. There are more sinners than others. There are more sinners than others. That's why that happened. Now, although it is true that death, sickness, misery, all has come into the world because of sin, all death, sickness, misery. Yet God does not always visit his creatures with affliction and judgment only. Let me see if I can, I can uh, clarify that. The wages of sin is death. There are many people who suffered through that, through that wave who did not die. And, and there's a warning there. But if God deals with us according to sin... And the the way of a transgressor is hard. But if God deals with us according to sin, what's the payment for sin? It's it's death. It's eternal separation from God. That's the payment for sin. Now, in this life, the the way of a transgressor is hard. But here's here's what I'm, I'm trying to say is that God doesn't visit his creatures in judgment only, but that the purpose of God might be fulfilled. This is, this is really uh, real deep for me. It's real deep for me. But you see, the apostles had this same thought. And in, in John chapter 9, if you want to turn there, in John chapter 9, they asked the Lord this same question. They said, uh, when Jesus passed by, John chapter 9, verse 1, he saw a man which was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin that this, this man or his parents that he was born blind. There's, There's got to be a reason for him being born blind. This is an affliction. This is an affliction. There's a reason for him being born blind. Is, is somebody sinned? Well, we know that blindness is because of sin. There would be no blindness apart from the fact that man sinned in the Garden of Eden. But the Lord said, he says, neither hath this man sinned or his parents. Now, is he saying they didn't have no sin? No, he's not saying that. They're sons of Adam. But what is he saying? But that the works of God should be manifest in him. In other words, God has a purpose in the life of everyone that's in this world. That is, whether it's, he said, Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very same purpose, to show my power in you. He's no greater sinner than me. He's no greater sinner than me. I should be drowned in those waters of you. God has a purpose that must be fulfilled in the life of every person. And when we judge, if a person judges when we look in the life of someone else. Someone suffers affliction, suffers trials and difficulties and things like that. To say God has judged him is to say, well, God's not judging me because I'm living right. <laughs> that's, that's not right. That's, that's evil. God's dealing in providence are way beyond our puny brains. <laughs> They're way beyond our puny brains. Uh, if you would have been looking at uh, Joseph's life, you would have said, Joseph, you did some great sin. You know, that's why your brothers have put you in this Well, and that's why you're going down to, down to Egypt to be a slave. And that's why they got you in jail now. Job's friend said that to him, didn't he? He said, Job, now, we know that's why I got dealing with you like this. You sin. Own up to it. But God's dealings in providence are way past us finding out. We cannot know the purpose of God. And really... We should consider this: some of our Lord's choicest people are born in this world and go through life in great poverty, in great poverty, in misery, and yet they're chosen, loved of the Lord. Take, for instance, Lazarus, who was outside. This man that is wealthy, and this man ate banquets every day. And Lazarus, all he had was, all he had was scraping his sores. And he died, yet he's with the Lord. So we cannot judge. We cannot. There's one who judges. It's the Lord. So that's the first thing I want us to consider is that. Is that we don't know. But we know this. This is what God says. This is what the Lord says there in Luke chapter 13. He says, Thank ye this is what you think that because they're greater sinners that's why they're suffering this this type of death but the Lord says no no and he says except here's the second point I tell you no this is what the Lord this is the second point except ye repent and this is talking to me this is talking to every one of us here except ye repent ye shall also likewise also perish there's an imperative about this imperative and except ye repent our Lord said you must be born again you must be born again and Nicodemus asked the questions how can I be born again can I go back into my mother's womb and be born a second time well you don't have any ability to be born again you can't do it but you must be born again And except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. But you don't have the ability to repent in and of yourself. You don't have the ability to repent in and of yourself. The Lord Jesus Christ said to these religious men, who they were moral, moral people, and uh, in John chapter 8, they didn't believe that he was the Christ. They believe in Christ. They believe in the Christ. They believed God and God. They didn't believe God. They didn't believe the testimony of God concerning Jesus Christ. And the Lord said to him, "Them, except, except you believe that I am, that I am, you shall die in your sins." So there is an imperative. In other words, in this matter of repentance, in this matter of, I want to define in a moment what repentance is talking about. Uh, in this matter repentance is for every one of us for every one of us here tonight it's repentance it's not a suggestion on God's part God doesn't suggest that we repent it's a mandate it's a commandment the apostle Paul said there in in Acts chapter 17 when he was speaking there on Morris Hill he said at the times of this ignorance God winked at John chapter 17 verse 30 "The, the times of this ignorance that is Before the gospel comes, before the gospel is preached, before you hear the gospel, you can think of that as all ignorance, time of ignorance. And if God leaves you in that ignorance and you go out into eternity, you're guilty. I'm guilty. And we'll die and be separated from God, but our punishment will be lesser. That's time of ignorance. And it says the time of this ignorance God winked at. But now, now at the sounding of the gospel, at the, when the gospel is proclaimed all over the world, now the commandment, God commands all men everywhere to repent. Commands everywhere. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by Jesus Christ, by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance... He he has given assurance to all men in that he raised him from there He's testified He's shown to all men He's raised him up And he's witnessed to all men This is the man This is the judge This is God What he said about me What he said about himself What he said about man is right God justified him And he he commands all men to repent Now what is this repentance about? Paul summarizes it. Look at here Let's let's turn here to uh, Acts chapter 20 Paul, the apostle, summarized his preaching. He summarized his preaching. He was he was going back on his last missionary journey, and he was he knew he was never going to see these brethren in Ephesus again. And he called them together at Miletus and he, he, he brought them there. And he there, uh, chapter 20, verse 20, he's reminding them of what he preached. And he said in verse 20, And I kept back nothing. I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. But have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ those are the that's that's very important that's very important a repentance towards god and faith to our lord jesus christ now we're going to talk about this repentance towards god but i want to talk about two kinds of repentance two kinds of repentance there's a repentance of a man and then there's true repentance there's a repentance of a man and then there's a true repentance like i said this repentance that we're talking about is repentance that a man cannot produce. That's re- that's repentance God gives. But there is a repentance of men. And true repentance in salvation is repentance towards God. Now let's this let's talk about this repentance of men. There's this repentance is a repentance that is brought on by regret or remorse over the outcome of a certain thing. It's I regret the outcome. I repent. I, I didn't like the way that turned out. So that's a, a regret or remorse over the outcome of a certain thing. And there's some examples of this kind of repentance of, 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 of man. Let's, for instance, you, you remember Cain. Cain and Abel. Cain, they both brought their sacrifice to God. And, uh, and God accepted Abel's sacrifice. He came by the blood of the Lamb, typifying the Lord Jesus Christ. And and you remember the story. Cain, he came by his own works. He didn't need a sacrifice. He didn't need the blood of the Lamb. He didn't need the Lord Jesus Christ. That was what he was confessing in his sacrifice. And he came, and the Lord did not accept him in his sacrifice. And... uh, well, Cain, that made Cain mad about the situation. So he, took, he, he went out with his brother Abel and slew Abel in the field. And the Lord came to, if you look here in, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 9, and the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel your brother? Where is, where is Abel your brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground and now art thou crushed from the cursed from the earth which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand when thou tillest the ground it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength a fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth and Cain said unto the Lord my punishment is great greater than I can bear I don't like the outcome of that I don't like that his, his repentance is he's, he's regretful Of the outcome. It has nothing to do with. Oh God. I've sinned against you. Oh God. How can I be right with you? It has nothing to do with. Towards God. It's. I don't like the outcome. I don't like how it's affecting me. That's repentance of man. Think for instance of Simon Magus. Simon Magus. Now this is interesting. Simon Magus. He heard. uh, He heard. uh, uh, Philip. Uh, Preaching in Samaria And uh, The Lord was moving in Samaria And many were being converted And this Simon Magus Was before a magician uh, A witch And by his tricks was deceiving many people But he saw the The miracles that were performed By uh, Philip And uh, He also Made a profession of faith he was baptized, and he was, he was fallen, that man. Well, the apostles, there in Acts chapter eight, verse fourteen, says, "Now when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who when they, uh, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Now they had all read, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature." If a man has Christ he has the Holy Ghost what he's talking about here is the gifts of the Holy Ghost of speaking in tongues of being able to heal as, the, as, as, as God pleased but the apostles had this power vested on them by the Lord Jesus Christ where a man if they laid their hands on him he received this gift now they couldn't transfer it themselves here's the case of this Philip who had this gift but couldn't couldn't lay his hands on them, but the apostles did. And when this man, Simon Magus, saw this, it says there, uh, read on in verse 16, for as yet uh, he was fallen on, on none of them, only they had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid there their hands upon them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. Think about that. He offered them money. Is that repentance towards God? What has God taught you about? Do you have anything to offer God? Can salvation be bought? You've been taught by the Holy Spirit that you have nothing, that salvation's by grace. And this, what he's saying, is revealing exactly what's in his heart. It's revealing exactly what's in his heart. I can give money and buy this. What he's thinking is, I'm gonna I'm gonna make myself a business in whoever I dispatch it. It's exactly what Roman Catholicism's doing. Exactly what Roman Catholicism doing. I'll just dispatch this. Well, he offered them money, saying, Give also, give me also this power that whom on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee. Because thou hast thought This is what a sin It's not so much what we do It's who we are Thought The thoughts of your imagination Your heart Out of the abundance of the heart The mouth speaks Because you thought That the gift of God May be purchased with the money Before he said that He was right along with everybody else But when he said that It came out what was in him came out what was in him. You thought it could be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this manner, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent. Here's what the apostle is saying. You repent. Change your thoughts. Repent of this thought, this imagination, that you can buy what God, the gift of God, of this wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee, for I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, you pray to the Lord. <laughs> you pray to the Lord that this don't happen to me. He didn't say, oh God, I, I see that I've sinned against you. Can I be right? Have mercy on me, oh God. Now he said, you pray for me that none of this that you said come upon me. That's He didn't like the outcome, did he? Okay, so that's that's two. Uh, Simon, you know uh, Judas Iscariot. He didn't like the outcome either. That's, that's all repentance of men. These are all examples of false repentance for which a man must repent. It's a false repentance with respect to God. I've repented many times, haven't you? <laughs> I've repented many times, found myself needing to repent again. <laughs> haven't you repented? Many times of things you've done, and you find yourself you have to repent again. Over these last last days, holidays, I repented of eating so much. <laughs> that has nothing to do with repentance towards God. It's a gluttony is a sin. But I I, I said I'm not going to do that anymore. I find myself eating again. <laughs> uh, well, listen to this. With respect to God, and apart from the grace of God. All the repentance towards God, a natural man can muster up as nothing but regret of the outcome. And all the restraint in the behavior of a lost man can only be credited to the restraining grace of God. All the restraint in the behavior of a man can only be credited to the restraining grace of God. That is to say a person is not as bad as the other. That's just the grace of God keeping him from being just as bad as he would be. Well, the other repentance is the repentance that comes from God. There's a repentance of man. And that's a repentance that can and does need to be repented of. But there's a repentance that comes from God. And this repentance is granted by God as a result of the knowledge of the truth of God. This repentance is a repentance granted by God as a result of the knowledge of the truth of God, the knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is a repentance granted by God in mercy and grace when he reveals the truth about who God is, about who man is, and about the Lord Jesus Christ and how he saved sinners through Jesus Christ. And this repentance, this repentance that comes from the knowledge of the true God how he, how he can save sinners is a repentance that a man never has to repent of. That repentance towards God is a repentance. You never have to repent of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> you never have to repent of believing in Him. Never have to believe repent of turning from your idols to the living God. That's not a repentance that a man has to repent of. Now here's what I want us. I want us to to, to see this that primarily. The repentance, the repentance is speaking of, the repentance towards God is with respect to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it is true that a man must repent with respect to his sins. But our Lord said, when the Holy Spirit comes, in John chapter 16, verse 8, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to convince. John chapter 16, verse 8, let's look at that. John chapter 16, verse 8 when the holy spirit comes he's going to convince men when he has come he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin not because of their bad behavior it's bad and they need we all need to repent of our bad behavior a bad attitude our sins but when god convinces a man of sin what is this convincing of sin respect to the lord jesus christ i have not bowed the knee to him i have not come to him i have not humbled myself before him i have not trusted only in him that's the that's the sin of sin because they believe not on me well that's god-given repentance god God given repentance The Apostle Peter is a very good example of this. This God-given repentance that is towards God. Uh, in John chapter 6, if you will turn there. John chapter 6, the Lord, many disciples were following the Lord. Many people were following the Lord. And he was, one day he began to speak. He began to speak of who he is. And and the necessity. The absolute necessity of eating his flesh and drinking his blood, or you don't have any part. Come to him by faith, or you don't have any part in And the people that heard him, they said, "This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? This is a hard saying. Who can hear it?" And if you look there in verse chapter sixty-six, he says, uh, "From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him." That. They said they were his disciples. They said they believed, but when they heard the truth, they couldn't couldn't follow. They they said, I can't can't do that anymore. Then the Lord said unto the twelve, will you also go away? Do you want to go back? Then Simon Peter answered for every believer. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? That's true repentance. That's true. Lord, to whom shall we go? It's not like we have a Choice. I was listening to the news the other day, and they had this uh, panel of all these religious people, and they're talking about you know Christ is a choice, and you have these others that are choice, and Mary is a choice, and we're all going to a a person who's been given repentance towards God knows that there is no choice. Christ is the way. If He is the way, there is no other way. If He is the truth, there is no other truth. If He is the life, there's no life apart from Him. That's repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, with respect to our sins, you've heard people say, repent of your sins. Did you know that phrase is not found in the Bible? (laughs) That surprised me the first time I heard that. That phrase is not found in the Bible, repent of your sins. And let me ask you this, let me ask you this, have you ever repented of a sin? and then stop doing it of what sin have you repented and stopped doing it that's not what he's talking about I'm not don't go out saying he's antinomian <laughs> I'm not talking about that no have you, do you still find pride in your heart do you still find envy do you still find jealousy covetousness I do The believer repents of his behavior as we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and as we learn of him, as we learn of him, as we see him, as we hear him. This is the correction of God's people. This is the correction of God's people. This is where it takes place, under the sitting or the preaching of the gospel. For instance, you remember the apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians in his first letter to the Corinthians. The Corinthians, that church was messed up, wasn't it? You remember the church in Corinthians? It was. He talks of all kinds of things that were just. There was one who was living in adultery with his, his, his uh, father's uh, wife. There was division in the church. They were taking one another to court. The the observance of the Lord's table was a, a just a. It was all this disorder. But did you know the Apostle Paul never doubted of the interest of these believers in Corinth? of their true interest in the Lord Jesus Christ. He never spoke of his his, his doubt of their true interest of the Lord Jesus Christ. On the, but in comparison of the Galatians, he speaks none of these things that he says to the Corinthians. But of the Galatians, he says, I'm afraid of you. And you know what the issue was? They were mixing works and grace. That was the issue. But he says nothing of these other things. But the Apostle Paul... He said, I, I've heard this of you. And he writes in the first uh, book of Corinthians. And he, and he he sets down that this is not Christ-like. Christ's not divided. Christ's not divided. He said, the way you're observing the Lord's table, well, that's not right. This is not Christ-like. This is not honoring to Christ. Read how he lays down in in, in First Corinthians, how he lays down the, the truth of who Christ is and how we're to... To honor Christ, and these, when he wrote this letter, many received it, and and they repented, and they and they corrected this, and he got word from Titus, and he said, I rejoiced when Titus came. I rejoice because he he told me that what happened there. In fact, some of them that didn't, they were saying, Paul, the reason he's coming, he's say he's not really sincere. And Paul said. I, don't want, I didn't want to come early because I don't want to deal with it. I want you to take care of this. But look here in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and he talks about this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7 he says uh, verse 9 <clears throat> Now I rejoice not that ye were made sorry. That was you know my <laughs> my dad you know, he, he used to when they, when they spank him. Did you ever get a spanking and your parents said, now this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you? <laughs> did, you ever, did you ever believe them? You should. You should believe them. I didn't learn that until I had to spank my children. It's like ripping my, just ripping my guts out. It hurts. It hurts. And the apostle Paul says, now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry. That My intentions in writing you the first time wasn't so that you just be made sorry. Just to tell you how sorry you were—that's not it. But that you sorrowed unto repentance. There's a purpose for this. There's a there's there's something there's a fruit I'm looking for. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold, this same thing that you saw after godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves it produced in you. Yea, what indignation against sin it produced in you. What uh, fear it produced in you. What vehement desire to honor Christ it produced in you. Yea, what zeal, what revenge it and all things, you will prove to yourself to be clear of this matter. That's that's repentance towards God, and a and a, and a believer does repent of his actions. And uh, well, we're sinners, we're sinners. But with primarily the repentance, this talking about repentance towards God is repentance towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want us to consider this, the third thing, and I must hurry. There's an inseparable correlation or link between the repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 20, when we read that, in Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul said, I've preached, preached to you repentance towards God and faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. This is, this is simple to illustrate. Faith and repentance go together. It's like a sheet of paper. It's like a sheet of paper. If you have a sheet of paper... You have two sides, don't you? You have two sides. It's, it's impossible to have a sheet of paper in your hand without two sides. I've got a front side and i got a back side. Now that's the same thing about repentance and faith. A person that has repented towards God believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. And a person that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ is repenting of his sin. By nature, all men are sinners dead in trespasses and sins going away from God following their own thoughts and their own imaginations have their own idols and their own mind following that that's what they believe but when the gospel comes when God in grace reveals the Lord Jesus Christ a man turns from his idols to serve the living God in Jesus Christ that's repentance and faith you cannot come to Christ except you leave your idols you cannot come to Christ except you leave your sin. That's what the Apostle Paul is writing to the Thessalonians. He said that yeah, I don't have to. I don't have to say this to you. But people are saying this about you. How that you turn from your idols to serve the living, true God. They tell this about you. How that you turn from your idols to serve the living God. Like I said, if Christ is the way, then there is no other way. But if you hear a person say Christ is the way, and listen to this, if you hear a person say Christ is the way, but Mary is also a way, <coughs> has that person repented towards God? That person doesn't know God. Is that right? Christ is the way, but you also have to do these works. Has that person repented towards God? No, he's trying to mix works and grace. A man must turn from his way, turn from his thoughts, which are idolatry and come to Christ. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. Let him return unto God in Jesus Christ. He is the way to God. I am the way, the truth, and the law. No man comes to the Father but by me. And I, he will have mercy on him. That's a beautiful promise, isn't it? Beautiful promise in the gospel that everyone that turns well that's true repentance the apostle Peter said Lord to whom shall we go thou hast the words of eternal life we believe and assure that thou art the Christ the son of the living God in other words sink or swim I'm coming to him sink or swim now here's the fourth thing man is responsible to repent but in and of himself is not able to repent man is responsible to repent and in and of himself is not able to repent of his thoughts about God he's not able to repent about himself he's not able to repent about his thoughts of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ his thoughts by nature man's thoughts of the work and person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ are real low he thinks high of himself thinks low of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ he does, he can't repent and he doesn't want to he can't repent and he doesn't want to but now you know what I'm going to say. God is sovereign in salvation. God is sovereign in salvation. He has mercy on whom He will have mercy, and He has compassion on whom He will have compassion. God does grant repentance to His people. God does grant repentance to His people. In Acts chapter five, verse twenty-eight, that uh, let's let uh, we'll jump to verse. Uh, Thirty-one. this is the, the apostle Peter preaching he said him speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel it's a gift <laughs> to give repentance to Israel he gives repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins and we are, we are his witnesses of these things so it is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. Now look at the response of these people that are hearing. Some people believe this message. They hear, he's a prince, and he's a savior to give repentance, and God gives repentance to those people, and they come to the Lord Jesus Christ and rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I said, God is sovereign. Look at this. When they heard it, they were cut to the heart. There were some other men that were cut to the heart in Acts chapter 2. And they believed. They said, Man, what shall man, brother, what shall we do to be saved? But these were cut to the heart, and what did they do? They took counsel how they're going to slay him. They hated this message. Okay, here's the fifth thing. What does God use to produce repentance? What does God use to produce repentance? The gospel. The gospel. The same message. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Faith. And repentance also. It is the goodness of God that leads you to repentance, the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 2. Do you despise the riches of His goodness? That's revealed in the gospel of His grace. The forbearance and long-suffering of God. God is patient to us, long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any of His his people should perish but that everyone that he chose from before the foundation of the world should come to him the long suffering not knowing that it's the goodness of God that leads you to repent. he's not going to lose any of it God is more patient you cannot exhaust God's patience isn't that that a blessing isn't that a blessing I get so impatient sometimes I write people off don't you (laughs) I just write them off. That's it. I write them off. But God is so patient. You cannot exhaust God's patience. If you're one of His, (coughs) He's going to have you. Now, listen to these statements. True repentance, true repentance then acknowledges God's absolute holiness and my absolute depravity. I am nothing but sin and my best deeds... (coughs) My works of righteousness are filthy rags in His sight. He is holy, holy, holy. There is none holy like our God. At the same time, I cling to Christ. Cling to Christ. He is holy. Cast me not away from thy presence, said the the psalmist. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. But do thou to me, O God the Lord, for thy name's sake, because... Thy mercy is good. Deliver thou me, for I am poor and needy. I am poor and needy. I have no goodness. I have no righteousness. I have no holiness. That's true repentance. True repentance acknowledges God's absolute right to do with me whatsoever he will. He can save me or he condemn me. That's his right. If he he sends me to hell, he'll be giving me exactly what I deserve. If He he saves me, it's all of grace. All of grace. True repentance acknowledges that it's a God that saves me. And if God saves me, it will all have to be of grace. It will all have to be of grace. It's grace that chose me, grace that brought me, that bought me, grace that called me, grace that gave me life. Grace that sustains me and grace that will preserve me and keep me from falling. All of grace from beginning to end. And true repentance owns that if God should pay me what I deserve, I will have to suffer eternal separation from God for the wages of my sin is death. Lord, if thou shouldest mark iniquity, O Lord, who shall stand? True repentance acknowledges that only in Christ Jesus is God able to be just and the justifier of all that come to God by Him. Only in Christ. That's true repentance. Only in Christ. We sing a little song there in in Mexico. Solamente en Cristo, solamente en Él. La salvación se encuentra en Él. That's only in Christ. Only in Christ Jesus. Salvation is only found in Him. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Only Christ. It's only in Him that God is able to be just and justify the ungodly let God be God and true repentance is manifested by a hatred of all that is contrary to Christ and to his glory even in me even in me the apostle Paul said oh wretched man that I am who's going to deliver me of this body of death God's got to put away with sin and aren't you glad and his kingdom bears no sin. He's going to put away with it. He's going to do away with it. And our our blessed hope is that he has put it away. He has put it away. And one day we're going to be free from it, from the very presence of it. From the very presence.